Welcome to the Heavy Hole Podcast. My name is Tom. I'm Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. Man, I am fully committed to, like, a short mustache. Who, who yeah. is? Is, is that Justin? It is Justin. What's going on? Oh, he shaved the mustache. That's what the mustache is a little short. I didn't recognize you yeah. over there. I ha- I've ordered two more pairs of Pit Viper sunglasses. Uh, uh-huh. not a sponsor. And I'm, I'm going. Are the Pit Viper sunglasses still fashionable, or is that so 2012? I don't even understand what, like, fashion has nothing to do with it. Sanguasuga Box signed to Century Media, and this guy's still over here with the sunglasses. I mean, that's, well, this guy's, like, that was so summer 2020. I, uh, I did you got to keep up with the times. I caught myself, I, I was, uh, I went out to get coffee yesterday, and I was wearing regular sunglasses, uh, you know, pedestrian glasses. Old school. Yeah. Um, with a with a beanie on and this mustache, and I caught myself in the rearview mirror, and I was like, "I'm gonna get I'm, somebody's calling the cops on me if I fucking drive too slow." Yeah, you so, look like you got Natalie Portman in the trunk. I, it looks like I just came from leaving explosives and paper bags and uh, allegedly, I, I, allegedly. <laughs> Justin, allegedly. was that was that part of your weekend? How was your weekend? Yeah, it was pretty good. Are, I did. Do we want to know at this point? I did drop off some fire uh, cassette tapes over at the post office though, to uh, send out to. All those dangerous thing uh, listeners. Yeah, shout shout to dangerous thing. You can check it out on the Bandcamp. Thanks for buying that shit. The old tapes are available. Sometimes you can get them in a little uh, a handmade coffin box if, right. if they're still available. But uh, yeah, weekend uh, all the same. Uh, working on the riffs, man. Riffs are back. Riffs are back in stock. Yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad you just you went right into the weekend because sometimes yeah. we forget about you. <laughs> I had to. I yeah. had to. Yeah. Yeah. Start back. Off. How about how about y'all's? Jump right in. You know, not, not much happening. Still can't go outside. Yada, yada, yada. We've been there. But um, I felt like Will last night for a second because I was on Reddit. I was uh, browsing Reddit. And someone posted a really upsetting post in uh, t- our technical death metal, which oh. I just wanted to share with you guys. Uh, <laughs> yes, please do. I didn't approve this before we started recording. No, but you're going you're gonna to laugh at this one. A very polarizing it, subreddit. This kind of frames a lot of the uh, modern recording stuff that we complain about so much yeah. uh, on the show. So, uh, none so vile. Yeah, good album. Is Cryptopsy ever going to re-record None So Vile? <laughs> <laughs> I, can, I can barely listen to it now with all of its tempo variations and volume fluctuations. Oh, boy. Even though it retains many of my all-time favorite riffs, I'd pay full price for a decent quality live wow, soundboard price. recording. Has there ever been talk of this? Oh, my uh, God. Obviously, this person was shit on to hell. Yeah, they because... let anybody have a computer now. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they've they made the kids prefer robotics over yeah, organics. It's not his fault. It's, it's, it's oh, man. Listen, uh, uh, oh, you just make me want to, I, I need a drink. Which Ooh. is why uh, I need a drink because of the sad state of affairs nowadays in modern times. It's so depressing, everything going on in the world. These um, ignorant opinions <laughs> on Cryptopsy's None So Vile album. And <laughs> 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 all this uh, calamity uh, going on in the world around us. That's why I have to open up this District Common craft lager that reminds me of a more um, uh, a simple time. Solar-powered beer brought to us by Atlas Brewworks, our beer sponsor down there in the old Washington, D.C. Uh, this uh, District Common bears on it the image of the Hancock Fountain Pen. Uncovered in the catacombs of Beacon Hill, the Hancock Estate in Boston, this pen scratched the first signature of a new nation and forever transformed our forefathers from British heretics to brave heroes. Uh, how... How how long we've come since then, huh? Uh, but at least, <laughs> in, yeah, at least as Justin always says, we have one shining beacon 
of uh, tradition, mm. of honor. Mm. Uh, the fine patriotic folks at Atlas Brew Works down there. This district common craft lager helps me forget about all the people <laughs> not living up to those standards um, in how they view death metal and um, uh, politics and patriotics and all that sort of thing. But listen, the, um, the, the haters get quieter the deeper you get into your delicious atlas brew yeah exactly just drown it all out with alcohol no drink responsibly when you enjoy that fine atlas uh brew works beer now um i spent my weekend drinking alone uh inside of my tape uh collection i have it in a i close the door and stand there still (laughs) sentinel uh, inside of my collection of CDs and tapes, surrounded by your beautiful little plastic friends. Not even listening to music. I'm just, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to absorb the energy from the cassettes and CDs. There's a magnetic energy. Yeah, off the tape. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, just drinking by myself, with in a closet with the door closed, surrounded by death metal. That's my life now. Just uh, turning yourself when one yeah. side is done. Yes. I only left to practice with Afterbirth. Shout to them. At Deer Park Studios, uh, Deer, at Deer Studios and Deer Park, shout out to all them. Um, uh, yeah, and just and but but you know because it's just it's scary times. And um, right now, uh, uh, I think we're going to learn a little bit about your sanity. Has your sanity been defeated this past year with the pandemic and everything getting shut down? Are you locking yourself in a closet and trying to absorb energy from plastic cassettes like Will? I, I've, I'm defeated. Uh, maybe someone who's not, we're going to go completely outside of the United States of America tonight. Uh, like we all wish we could physically, but the travel bans and all that. Uh, we're going to talk to Lille Gruber of Defeated Sanity, uh, also of Engurgitating Oblivion, uh, classic legendary death metal musician who comes from a family of musicians. So we can get that question out of the way. <laughs> That's really good. What? What? Did I, did I spoil something? We all know he comes from a musical family. Yeah, well, let's see if he could yeah. play a telephone, Tom. All right, then. Call him up. Get Fuck yeah. him on. This is Heavy Hole Podcast. Big Will here, as always, joined by my faithful co-hosts, Justin and Tom. And today, our very special guest, uh, long-awaited guest, and uh, often requested by listener guest, I should add, Lilith Gruber uh, of Defeated Sanity and other projects that we'll get into. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, you guys doing? Great. Splendid. Very nice. nice. Yep. Glad to have you. And um, uh, as we always say, to be respectful of your time, we have a lot of questions. We have some listeners who submitted questions. Uh, so we want to get right into it. And uh, we've actually had um, Polo Paguntalan, who you know from his work in Cop Premises, I think, uh, many years ago. And we will get into that story. He's a, pe- a former guest of the show. And he told his account of um, you and uh, your father, rest in peace, uh, coming to the United States. I believe it was for Defeated Sanity's first tour where Cop Premises supported some of those shows. Um, do you recall that? Hell Yeah. <laughs> that's, when, that's when he went on stage. Uh, the three of them all had uh, 
Carl Sanders um, wakes on and he was kind of he's introducing the show with we're Nile from Egypt <laughs> so, that is Paul man we got to get Paulo back on the show it's, it's been it's been long enough <laughs> we, we try to get Paulo on the show twice or three times a year uh, good, look, yeah, he's good, awesome. Yeah, good friend of mine um, through the death metal scene, and, and you know I probably wouldn't wouldn't have known about defeated sanity, uh, you know, all those years ago if it wasn't for him. So shout to him, and we we will get into that. But we always start at the beginning. I just wanted to shout that out because if the listeners, uh, if they're not familiar with um, those episodes, they could go back to kind of uh, get a little introduction. Um, but the story we're going after uh, that a lot of people are familiar with is obviously your father, uh, Wolfgang. Um, is known uh, to have kind of started uh, the band with you when you were much younger, and he's also known for his work, I believe, playing mainly guitar in more jazz fusion type of bands in the 70s. That's correct, right? Um, no, he's he's basically never been really featured as a guitarist before he started with Defeated. So he was uh, regarded as a, a, a drummer and... Uh, oh, okay. um, so, so the, the records he recorded uh, were, most of them were um, on drums. And like, I think there's this one thing grotesque where he plays a few guitars, but uh, was definitely mainly known as a, a drummer. Huh. Interesting. Okay, see, that's one part of it that I didn't um, get. I knew he was a, a multi-instrumentalist of sorts. Yeah, um, that for sure, yeah. Yeah, and, and also quickly, I should shout out the Cali uh, Death Podcast and Fountainhead TV, both of which people can look for on YouTube as research. Um, uh, you were recently featured on both of those uh, in the last year or two. Yeah. And um, I learned through that, you described it as a small village. I've heard other people refer to it as more of a commune, uh, like a hippie commune type of uh, uh, community of musicians that was a little bit maybe outside of conventional society. Is that true? Um, it's it's. I think we're talking about two different things. The the thing I was actually born not in a hospital, but I was born in at home in a in a kind of commune kind of thing, and um, that that was their big thing. And um, this is where um, the band's era and um, uh, I don't know era and like uh, a few other bands. You know, I. For some reason, I, I'm blanking on them right now. But uh, uh, all these bands, they were that—that that was their home. They all lived in that house with their wives or girlfriends and other friends and the the roadies and the the crew and you know, like so they they were would play all throughout Germany like every weekend and actually make the money off that and. You know, all the, the hippie stuff, grow your own stuff and, you know, like, and each um, grown up is like responsible for all the, all the children. So you have like, basically you have like a couple of dads and moms, like that's what they say. I mean, it's not really like that, but um, it, that's like the mentality, like that's where I, I grew up. And of course I uh, saw them and heard them heard them play music like let's say the, the first uh, two years of my life I want to say and but then I moved and then the the little village I'm talking about where where I uh, basically grew up and then started really getting into uh, being a musician 
there was just uh, my dad and I, because uh, like he kind of, uh, yeah, he got kind of pu pushed out. Uh, like like he he didn't want the commune thing anymore, and like everything fell apart kind of a little bit, and everybody moved to their own places. So we was just the two of us uh, moving into this other village and then that's the village uh, you might have heard about it was just like a normal village it wasn't a commune kind of situation that at okay. that point okay so i got that a little bit crossed i appreciate you clarifying that and um you say you moved to this village with your father i, I get the impression that at some point your father doesn't have those bandmates maybe or those musicians that he used to collaborate with and so uh, it almost turns inward to the family where you discover music and you and your father start collaborating. Is, is that a fair assessment? Very, yeah. That's that's That comes very close. I can... Um, I don't know. For, for, for some reason, he... Um, I mean, they had this one project that's actually one of my favorite projects from that time, which is called uh, Loco Richter Agreement. Loco Richter is um, maybe together with my dad, one of my biggest idols from like seeing them like play in the flesh. And he's he's actually, he's a really uh, a multi-instrumentalist. He um, plays like the, the violin, saxophone, bass, guitars, everything. So he plays on chapters of Repugnance. He plays that crazy, uh, 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 dissonant sounding violin in one of the tracks like the and one of the outros um, so anyways that that was um, that was still going on in that village where we were uh, living and um, but then it, everything kind of fell apart yeah and um, yeah and then I uh, discovered uh, like my my, my rock and roll, you know, that was uh, Megadeth, Metallica, uh, Testament, Overkill. Like, I, I started with the thrash metal bands. And, um, and yeah, my, my dad kind of uh, just just started liking it. I, I think maybe he really did it just to develop. Like, I, I, in hindsight, I think he, he might have done it for me more than... I perceived it that way back then. Um, yeah, but I think what he did was like a really, really intense uh, coaching. Yeah, he made me into a music musician by jamming with me and stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, you know, I also know from the interview that you credit... Um, your stepfather, Ron Spielman, uh, I believe he sent you to your first drum teacher who actually, in, in a way, re rejected you as a student because he didn't want to force traditional style on you? That That is true, yeah. Yeah, see, yeah, Ron Spielman is, is, is another big figure, you know, I've been looking up to. Uh, Mukro, like, the, to me, those are like... Uh, I don't know. They're like the the godfathers for me, you know. Like I, <clears throat> I, I listened to the stuff today, and I was like, "Wow!" I didn't even 
I, I don't even like some people tell me like why don't you know this song by led zeppelin why don't you know black sabbath why it's like because i i've listened to these guys all the time so um i don't know it's like I, i've got my music like i got i saw how it works just in person from these guys you know it's like uh um yeah and then i It's just, I've got these godfather kind of figures, you know, my dad and Ron and uh, Muck and Loco and uh, all these guys. And uh, uh, even my mom had like, the, she, she had a, she had a, a all girl band back then too. And um, everybody was making music, you know, it was all, wow. all music. So <clears throat> yeah, and on, on top of that, it's, uh, With Ron, for example, he was really getting into the, like, um, I don't know, with the with the funk, jazz, like there were a lot of um, musicians in his orbit that were actually like uh, trained, like had an academic jazz kind of background. So I would always hear some conversations where like, like from real experts, you know? So like, for example, uh, Benny Greb played in his band, which is a big, uh, if you're a drummer, you probably uh, know that guy in this. <clears throat> so like, and all, all these drummers, you know, then there's like the professor of, of one of the, uh, of the music schools in uh, this town called Würzburg. And like, um, yeah, so I, I had a lot of access to talking to musicians at a very young age, basically. Uh, so, and this teacher um, that I guess uh, Ron Ron sent you to or, or, or recommended you to, what t could you tell us a little bit? Of, was it like an audition or a first initial lesson where the teacher said, "No, I don't want to," uh, you know, break this kid's style or like what what happened with that? Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was uh, that. By the way, that's that professor from from that like from that, the drum professor pretty much from, from that music school there. Um, I don't know, high school, I guess, for music there. Um, so yeah, I went there because he played in Ron's band at that time. And um, yeah, I guess I played my metal stuff, you know, I, I think <laughs> I, I was I was probably pretty limited and uh, completely self-taught at that time, you know, at that point, I didn't know anything about uh, Uh, read, reading sheet music or anything or playing or even stepping on the hi-hat once every once and how you call it you know every now and then I, I didn't do that back then it was just doing my metal stuff so if I want to make like a myth about like the story you know it's <laughs> like yeah I would just say yeah I was he said I was too good to You know, because a few people have uh, regurgitated that story like that. And I was like, um, well, I, I, I just think I I didn't have the, I, I, I guess what he really wanted to say was I, I was too old uh, to, to start into, start with the jazz stuff. I think that's really what uh, was the problem. But yeah, it's... Uh, The story that uh, was revolving is he said I, he couldn't teach me because I was too good or whatever. Yeah, we can go <laughs> with that one. Why not? Yeah, well, That's well, more fun. Yeah, we'll just edit all that out and we'll leave that as the story. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, so, so, and then I, you know, I know that from there, uh, it's it's your because your mother's influence. Uh, you you pick up classical guitar, right? Yeah, basically, um, that was uh, it. Was basically I, I was done with 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 school, you know, um, and um, like half a year before I was done with school, they said, "Hey, so you gotta know what you're gonna do after," and I'm like. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I was, I just want to become a rock star, and make a, you know. I just want to make my music. And my mom is like, "Yeah, well, so what do you want to? So you you say you want to do music, huh? Okay, then you gotta take lessons because then we're gonna send you to a music school." And I was like, "Oh God, no!" Anyways, um, he, uh, she's she was the one that said, "Let's try a, a, a jazz drummer," and then that story we just heard. And um, then she said, "Okay, if it's not that, then you gotta learn uh, to to do classical, like get into classical music." And um, I was all for that. And then I was a big Paco de Lucia fan, so I was like uh, mistakenly thinking that I would learn that if I learn uh, classical guitar, <laughs> which is something completely different. But I started to love it anyway. So she said, basically, she sent me to a. Um, classical guitar guy like I am now like 30 years later or whatever uh, and um, learn classical guitar there uh, at my age 17 and then there was I had half of a year of um, training in that and then they already like I already applied to one of the uh, music schools it was like a special music school for uh, yeah it's, it's basically almost at university level so but they for some reason they they took me there and uh, then I had a really hard time catching up on all the theory like as I said I, I learned I had half a year where I started learning music and then being accepted to that school for some weird ass reason um, but yeah that's that's how that started basically so um, and you know now now I'm I'm a little you know I, I get this bit from uh, watching your discussion on Fountainhead TV, which obviously is a little bit more of a lofty conversation than I can provide in terms of technicality um, and musical yeah. training. But what I want is, is you, you bring up Johann Sebastian Bach and his um, I guess potential influence on the way you view composition uh, in that yeah. conversation. Could you maybe break that down a little bit for somebody like me who's a little bit more of a, a casual layman, uh, you know, brutal death metal fan? Um, what is it about Johann Sebastian's ba uh, Johann Sebastian Bach's um, uh, 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 composition that you take away and you say, "I would like to exemplify this"? Um, it's it's complicated. I mean, but I mean, or maybe it's not complicated if I just say. Well, his music is perfect. Mm -hmm. That you know, that's it. And like, see, so I started with that teacher. I started uh, learning that that famous beret. You know, that's that's how that started. And I just, if you if you read sheet music, you get to see every single note that a composer picks. You know, it's not something that you just like. Oh, that's just this kind of fret and this fret and together and. Know you see really what's going on, and you have a teacher that tells you so as well. 
and um, I don't know, just being inside that music for the next, uh, I don't know, like eight years from, from that first guitar lesson on, I just saw how much, how perfect everything is, you know, each chord makes sense, each note that one instrument plays together with all the other instruments is always absolutely it so always sounds good, you know, even if you play it slow. So that was a big influence for me. So one of the effects of on the defeated stuff is basically a riff has to sound amazing, even slow. That's my that's that's my big thing. So I think if you if you slow down a lot of metal stuff, it's not going to be that awesome anymore but for me i feel i feel defeated gets it's almost like a shame that we play it so fast because i put so much care into the choice of the notes and that is definitely a thing i learned from bach and um i guess all 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 the music that i liked i mean a classical guitar basically means a lot of uh, these classical like the, from the classical epoch like Bach of course was uh, uh, Baroque but um, classical guitar comes from the classical epoch which is uh, composers like Carcassi, Caroli, Soar, um, all these guys and um, I played a piece by Paganina, pa Paganini by the way so um, <clears throat> that that stuff is more like I didn't get into it so much emotionally, but just like the craftsmanship is just great, you know. Everything is everything is just legit, and I guess I took that I, t I took that into my um, I don't know. Those were the terms for for my riffs, you know. That uh, sounds like the the scrutiny that you put yourself under as a composer. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm glad you could explain that because I found that part really interesting and it made me want to go back and actually check out um, uh, the works of, of Johann Sebastian Bach. Uh, you know, myself yeah. myself being a layman, obviously not as musically accomplished, but um, uh, just, yeah, just but, an interesting parallel. Yeah, but um, Bach is, for me, it's, it's, it's almost scientific. It's like... He's, he made music for the people, you know, and to me, it's like you can be layman all you want. Like if you hear these chords, you're going to be moved, <laughs> I think. Well, that's, that's, know, that, that's death me. metal, too. That's death metal, too. I mean, you could say that about death metal, right? Yeah, yeah, true. I think uh, uh, some people get into suffocation because because just the, the brutal sound like back then you know the extremely cave cave like guitar sound and uh, uh, um, it's, it's just brutal you know I got into suffocation because they were very intelligent very the composition was very uh, very sublime you know it, like some of these runs are uh, that that's what got me into suffocation and then later with the with the even, even like that famous slam riff is not even like I was never really that fascinated by that. I got more fascinated by slam when uh, internal bleeding and 
Devourment and uh, uh, Disgorge Deeds of Flesh when they picked that up, basically. But I like, for example, Suffocation. I got into it because of the composition and like the the smartness, kind of. Yeah. Yes. The, uh, I definitely know what you mean. Something that um, uh, maybe was it like a little bit like like lost on on bands over over the years. After a while, you know, you talked about a lot of great bands, and there's been so many generations now to where you. You have slam bands that literally just kind of copy that riff three or four times, and that's the song, you know. In this, yeah, yeah, I mean that's that's definitely where it stops for me. But yeah, my my point my point is basically, uh, some people get drawn to something emotionally, but they get it, you know. Everybody's at the concert and it, it, it's, um, loving it, you know, but for different reasons. So I guess that's my point about you. Get, getting music in a different through a different approach you know yeah uh, yeah exactly and and it, and you know we're, it's good that we transition uh talking about death metal now there's a few death metal albums that i've heard you talk about in the past that i wanted to bring up but i want to know uh what is you know you, you mentioned um megadeth uh metallica the you know the more um uh bigger metal bands when do you notice extreme metal when do you notice uh you know like death metal uh, or or anything more underground or independent take and and is it readily available in the village where you grew up um it was not uh, very uh, so so the thing is i i think i started with six really like uh, through my my brother who turned into a punk guy and i i inherited his in iron maiden um albums and um then I was like, I checked out Iron Maiden. I, I was let down right away. I mean, I, I learned how to love Iron Maiden, but as a kid, I wanted to hear that harder stuff that I heard from his room sometimes. And then um, I got Megadeth and I was like, okay, uh, that's that's it. That's what I need. Um, anyway, so it was like from six to eight, I guess it was, it was a really nice organic, uh, sliding into it you know as i said it was testament overkill anthrax too you know slayer was a big level up because my my dad knew what slayer is about and he was like he told my mom like "Ooh, cool it on on on, on the stuff that, that that kid is seven years old you know <laughs> <laughs> i love it so yeah rain and blood for christmas man i can't remember that wow so i love that he would yeah. create he would later create defeated sanity with you but he was like i don't know about slayer yet <laughs> yeah yeah 100 percent. so death metal be became a thing in eight at eight like one years later so when i was eight um but yeah uh, a big thing was uh, obviously the the german magazines metal hammer and uh, rock hard magazine there you you just read about all these bands and it's like death metal. What is death metal? I, what does death metal sound like? It's like I thought like when I got a Sodom cassette tape. Is that death metal? I asked my dad like because he he's heard that before somewhere. Is that death metal? And he said no, it's not death metal. It's fine. <laughs> like because it was still not allowed. Like I was like no, that's not death metal. But then um, later I got I got. Uh, Sepultura Arise, I think. And then... Um, Getting closer. Closer. <laughs> yeah, it is close. It's a little closer. And I was like... But, um, yeah, at that point, uh, 
yeah, maybe I was nine then. I, I don't know. It was Morgoth and uh, Obituary. And uh, what, what was it? And, and, and Death, of course, you know. Uh, those were the first three bands that got me into that, you know. But I uh, basically, I really checked out all the thrash first. Voivod. I hated Voivod because it was that nothing face uh, city. And it was that that's nothing for kids, you know. That's like uh, you gotta be a, a intellectually you gotta be on a different level to appreciate, which which I did later. But to me, this was like punk. I was like so disappointed. Sounds like Dead Kennedys or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to hear chugging riffs. And I got that. Um, anyway, so yeah, those were basically the bands, and then. Yeah, the very organic, uh, 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 how you call that, man? Curve up to the extremer stuff, you know? Well, something I've heard you talk about, and um, uh, and what I what caught what, what caught my ear was you describe it as a very artistic album and an artful album, uh, and maybe if I got it right, something that you and your father uh, um, both connected on was Cannibal Corpse, Tomb of the Mutilated. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, that that was still I can remember that was my 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 dad stamped Cannibal Corpse still as illegal, uh, even when I was already listening to Morgoth or, or Obituary or Death. You know, it was were, like no, but, weren't they? Or is it is it that certain songs of theirs were literally illegal to perform in Germany? Right? Did I get that right? Uh, yeah, I guess, but I mean... Many years ago, I think that was the case. Oh, it, it might still be, man. I, I, yeah. No, did I, did I see them play Hammer Smash Face? Hammer Smash Face was definitely uh, not allowed to play live as for some I, I remember. I remember reading that some years ago, that specifically in, in Germany, there were a few songs. I don't I don't know if the situation's changed or not, but, yeah, but not to interrupt you. Sorry. Yeah. Um... Yeah, uh, uh, where were we? At the Tomb of the Mutilators? Tomb, yeah, and I'd like to know your take specifically on how that's a, a very artistic album. An album I, I do love myself, Tomb of the Mutilated, but just, you know, I, I, to describe it in that way, I was very interested. I don't know, man. Do you see that where they posing in front of? It's like this weird art thing. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where it starts to me. And then the, I had the censored cover, which I like even better than the the, the 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 guy just standing in front of the the coffin or whatever i just i just like everything about it and uh i don't know it's just it's just so far away from pop conventional music you know for me this uh was always much closer to modern classical basically and it's like a lot of odd times and a lot of just really twisted thoughts you know a lot of dissonance and then that insane vocal style and um it's just to me that's i don't know that definitely must be in the top five uh, death metal albums i you you're making me want to go back and like just listen to the album front to back with with new ears now because obviously i'm familiar with it i've, I've always enjoyed it but 
uh, it's it's almost like when you like when you read the um, like we, we like our shout out to our uh, Atlas Brewworks beer um, sponsor when you read the story on the back of the beer can about how it was brewed and what's in it like now you really want to taste it that's what you're doing yeah. for me with Tomb of the Mutilated right now yeah I don't know uh, the thing is if you if you listen like if you listen to Hammer Smash Face only all the time then I guess uh, maybe that artistic uh, compare like the, the thing I say about that is maybe not so obvious but for me the album gets better and more obscure once the album progresses you know that like towards yeah. the end and for me there's the, the best songs and the best um, yeah I don't know it's just uh, something about it is just so abstruse and grotesque bizarre you know that those are the words Mm. that I just like um, that's what what drew my dad in too because um, he wasn't all about the wasn't about the plastic shit you know he yeah. wanted something weird you know uh, he likes the, the the Miles Davis and you know like the avant-garde kind of stuff you know and, and free jazz and all that so I don't know that that album kind of hit the spot for both of us Wow, uh, I yeah, I really want to go back and listen to that because you know, as, as we always do with our interviews, I've been listening to Defeated Sanity uh, like marathon for the for the last two or three days. So now I want to listen to Tomb of the Mutilated with that in mind. And another album I wanted to get your take on that came up a few times in listening to you talk uh, in previous interviews, uh, Regurgitation, uh, Tales of Necrophilia album, which is a little bit more obscure than Tomb of the Mutilated. Um, I'm I'm a big regurgitation fan and i actually had that tales of necrophilia cd when it came out so i was really interested to hear you credit that a little bit as an influence yeah it's um the thing i always say and like uh christian kuhn and and my dad and i we would always agree this is probably the best guitar tone huh. uh maybe right after pierced from within or something wow or to, to me, that's the best guitar tone ever. And it has, it just, I don't know. It's like, what I love about it is, is it's just trashy, but it's not <laughs> dumb. You know, it's like- It's raw. It's, it's really raw. It's raw and it's like not edited every at every centimeter or whatever, you know? And it's um, great riffs all the way through, great like um, vocal rhythms and funny lyrics and I, I don't know, but it's like um, if we're if we're saying uh, Cannibal Corpse's art is I don't know, then that is like like that's like a comic, like a really cool comic or something, you know. I see. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's huge departure so, from their demo too when that album came out. Yeah. Oh, I I didn't even check out their demo. It, well, I I love the demo, but it's a lot more. Um, thrashy and kind of grounded whereas that Tales of Necrophilia album is you know it's feral it's wild yeah 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 but um but yeah well um because uh, that was really interesting to me because that's an album that I think has been getting it's 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 seen a, a few different reissues the last few years I know Hell's Headbangers has been pushing it and reissued it on vinyl uh, and I feel like that Regurgitation Tales of Necrophilia album has kind of been getting its due a little bit in the underground scene the last few years. But to know that you were on it uh, back in the day when it first came out, um, uh, checking it out, that's really interesting. Yeah, n not quite. Um, 
I, I got into the, I call them skater bands, which I appreciate. You know, I, I, I'm more of that kind of guy than a leather pants guy. I don't wear leather pants either. <laughs> but you, you know what I mean? I'm not, I'm like, uh, I get it. I get it. First, first I was kind of scared off from all these like new school American bands. Uh, because I was listening to uh, the old stuff, Monstrosity and Morbid Angel and uh, uh, Incantation, Immolation, and um, everybody cut their hair and everything. I was like, what's going on? This must be shit. And maybe I heard the one or the other band, and I was like, ah, okay, so that's the dumb shit, so I don't need it. And then, I don't know, it's... Um, so I was a little late on getting the, the good bands, you know? I discovered Discord really late... Uh, uh, Deeds of Flesh was probably the first of the new school brutal death metal bands I, I really got into, you know. Yeah. But yeah, re regurgitation a little later than at the time when they came out, you know. Just, uh, you know, interesting because Defeated Sanity, you guys obviously are getting the recognition you deserve. Um, uh, you know, kind of at, at the at the frontier of death metal nowadays, I always say, um, even when I'm not talking to you, I say that to people. And um, uh, it's interesting to, to go back and j just specifically Tomb of the Mutilated to think of it as a reference um, uh, to go back and listen to it with New Year's. But moving on, um, you, you know, we, we're, we're, you know, we've talked a lot about your, uh, your, your, your coming into music, your learning music, your childhood and all that sort of thing. And, you know, the famous story that a lot of people relate to Defeated Sanity is that your father and you began jamming. Um, you, you, you started playing uh, each other's songs, switching between guitars and drums, uh, things like that. Uh, just, I wanted to ask you about that, that time period when you're kind of still um, playing around with, with metal. Was your father actively trying to inject, um, you know, like jazz music and, and more like formative stuff uh, in, into you then? And, or just kind of letting you run wild and it was like... If my if if you're gonna if metal is gonna be your your vein to explore music, then he's just gonna let you run wild with it. Um, you mean he wanted to show it to me, or did he wanna inject it in the music we made? Uh, well, e either one, really. Like how? Like like? Well, I'll, I'll I'll phrase it this way: What was the balance between your father teaching you about um, jazz and maybe more traditional music, and you exploring metal, and your father and you both learning metal? Ooh, it's, um, he didn't teach me, like, per se, he didn't teach me anything. He, um, he just made me play his songs, and they happened to have odd times and uh, weird stuff, you know, like, like stuff that he knew. And, like, uh, so I, I got to experience the, the difficulty firsthand, you know. Mm. And, um... Uh, uh, so a few things that he wrote were were kind of jazz rocky and stuff and I, I had to I don't know I had to play along to it so that was the way he kind of taught me I guess but we never sat down and okay here's this uh, uh, John McLaughlin solo now you're gonna we're gonna <laughs> learn the whole thing or that shit like that didn't happen we just played each other yeah. we just made music you know and um, my music was like some some yeah infantile uh, 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 effort to try uh, to sound like I don't know uh, old thrower or 
death or you know like the the easy stuff that you could like first you start with that's 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 the tempo that I played in the beginning you know double bass and and guitars like and then um, I guess you could say that's death or Morgoth kind of tempo, you know, yeah. but uh, even slower. And then, I don't know, you just get better at it and better at it and that's it. But yeah, uh, my dad's stuff was obviously, he couldn't even write death metal. I o o always told him, that shit doesn't sound like metal. It's like, <laughs> you know, like he had yeah. to get into that. That's interesting to me, though, because you talk about the John... You, you made a joke kind of like the John McLaughlin solo, learn every part of it, but if you were taking lessons from a teacher, there are situations where they might just show you a song and say, learn that whole thing, whereas it sounds like what was going on with your father and you was way more organic. Um, it's, it's a real family recipe, uh, the defeated sanity, and especially nowadays, uh, we see the most recent album... Uh, the Sanguinary Impetus, uh, you're performing guitar and drums. It really seems like an organic family recipe going on with the Defeated Sanity sound. That's that's a cool... That I haven't heard that before. That's that's. I, I haven't thought about that before, but it's, it, it's true. You know, you, you hang out every day and you come up with certain... This is cheesy. Don't do that. No, we're not going to do that. I agree. This is... Uh, you know, this sounds too much like rock. Throw that out. I don't want these kind of notes there. Yeah, let's let's do this. So it's like a very, you know, you're gonna hang out with your father every day. You're gonna. So that's a very. That that is a recipe that 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 got formed. I agree. Yeah, that's a. That's yeah. Well, again, just something interesting to think about as we go back and listen to the catalog, uh, and you have a, a, a quite a catalog at this point. Um, uh, to talk about now, uh, you know, we and, and it's been covered. You know, you've talked about a lot of this material in, in other interviews, and some of the older demos have been re released. We should mention for the listeners they can go to the Defeated Sanity Bandcamp, and there's tons of material there. Most of the albums and uh, releases are there for people to check out. Uh, what, what a question I really wanted to ask you though is uh, most recently. Uh, I believe it was 2016's um, Disposal of the Dead uh, slash Darmada split EP, I, I guess if you want to phrase it with yourself, as a lot of people put it. Do you... Yeah. St now, now uh, people know the concept of that album uh, uh, for the most part. Uh, now, with 2020's The Sanguinary Impetus, is it fair to say that maybe you took those two styles that you split in half on Disposal of the Dead slash Darmada and you tried to join them for the Sanguinary Impetus and, and like, it's a marriage of the two styles? Yeah, in a way. Um, uh, but it's it's basically, it could go the other way around too, you know, on... on uh, on, on the on the 2016 release, we decided to split our two sides. Yeah, it's interesting actually, and we blew them up by ten, I guess. You know, the the brutality for disposal and the the tech and the prog. Yes. For Darmata, especially the prog thing, we we pushed ourselves to. Uh, we had like we haven't performed stuff like this before. Like um, some of the things where like each instrument is do doing something completely else. 
that we we didn't do that too much on on the albums before we tried to do it a little bit but i guess let's call it like the counterpoint i think we we gave ourselves a, a big lesson with Dharmata there and then i guess now the sanguinary impetus really is our style blown up to 10 you know defeated defeated sanity 2.0 basically huh. um, and well, um yeah i think that's how that happened really yeah well yeah i guess you're because you're right you know exploring the catalog you definitely always had those tendencies of of technicality and progressiveness but um uh you're right you split it in half and focused on each one on, on Disposal of the Dead, uh, Darmada, and then on the Sanguinary Impetus, it's kind of like you come back uh, having having built each side up, uh, having built your strengths up even more. I, I, I could definitely see it. It's an you know, impressive album. And something that I saw you say in a, an older promotion from about a year ago about the Sanguinary Impetus, and I just wanted to get um, an update on it because obviously, you know, you said at that point, obviously COVID has shut things down uh, and you wanted to... Instead of write new material, you wanted to wait until you could resume touring to promote the Sanguinary Impetus. Now we've obviously been a year in, and unfortunately things uh, are still shut down a lot. What's your take now on uh, a Defeated Sanity writing new material um, and the, the possibility of maybe live streaming shows or returning to shows where you can? Um, well... Again, you're saying something that's kind of opening my mind. Yeah, it's it's been a year, and <laughs> it's like maybe I should give up the dream of of still promoting this album. Um, but I kind of don't want to. I, I kind of really want to see it as Corona is, is like the pause, and then when it stops, we hit play, and in that time, like I, I'm playing, I'm still playing this album. Uh, like in its entirety, almost like every day. Recently, I've been very busy with Ingurgitating Oblivion. But, um, yes. Uh, preparing their new album, but uh, yeah, I've, I've 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 been like I. We put the set together for for uh, some shows that were planned and that got canceled, obviously. Um, and that set, I'm like clinging to that set. I'm playing that set. Uh, maybe three times a week just like because if it if it happens then at least I will be fucking prepared you know no. but yeah writing can't be stopped with me so I I started writing two more Dharma Ta songs at this point uh, which will not be defeated anymore it will be a, a side project I don't know how it will be called maybe it will be called Dharma Ta um, alright and I'm also writing, I'm already almost through the second new Defeated song. So, yeah, I've, I just, uh, writing is, especially when you're isolated like that, it's, uh, you, you can't even stop it, you know, you've you got to do something. Yeah. So. It's it's been a, it's been a rough year, and I can definitely relate to that. Um, uh, you know, one one of my bands that I'm in, Afterbirth, we put out an album um, back last March, and uh, yeah. you know we're, we're still we're still, we're still waiting for that tour to promote it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's it's a lot of bands are See? in those those positions. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, by the way, that that album was awesome, man. I really enjoyed that. Uh, cheers, man. Cheers, man. I I I, I um, appreciate it, man. And. Um, 
but you know who knows hopefully we'll be able to uh, play a show at some point uh again um, Hell yeah, and I could try those fucking Tom slip on my ass. You're you're one of the few people that will let. <laughs> Little yeah. lo- local guys don't get to do that, but you you're you will you'll you'll, uh, you'll get to try them out, man. Definitely. Keith's legendary Roto Toms. Yeah, the Roto Toms, man. Oh, he loves those. I love things. the sound of Roto. I, I love that sound, man. I I that 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 drummer man, he's I, I've actually you know, I've, uh, I uh, when I heard the the big thing back then was the Afterbirth demo. You know, and uh, I don't know from what year is that ninety three or something. Ninety four, if I got it, yeah. I, and we were like, "Oh, that's fucking early for those gurgles." And and I was also thinking, "Damn, the drums are jazzy and you know, like the they've got flow." You know, he's like he's playing that slammy shit, but. It's it's kind of uh, um, similar to uh, Mortal Decay too, like yeah, those yeah. those two guys were they were two guys that showed me hey the the whole cynic influence can even be brought into the brutal death realm. So definitely tell him that man because uh, I've I've uh, I've really uh, listened to that and really appreciated that drumming. I, I will, man, and we've we've had him on the show before. Um, he's a type of person that he used to go to a lot of drum clinics, uh, you know, growing up, and he, you know, he was always always learning, man. He's he's a real uh, Keith Harris uh, from Afterbirth. Shout out to him and the Afterbirth guys. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah, not trying to, not trying to shoehorn uh, my my own stuff in there, but um, I can definitely relate. And you brought up ingurgitating oblivion, which I was very glad you did. That's something I did not want to leave out of this interview because I'm a big fan. Um, their 2014 album, Continuum of Absence, you contributed a guest guitar solo. Uh, and then yeah. their, their 2017 full-length album, Vision Wallows and Symphonies of Light. I actually brought that up here on the podcast and recommended it to people when it first came out without realizing you were the drummer on that album. Killer. Yeah, well, <laughs> not not for me. It made me look stupid now. But uh, uh, regardless, great album. Could you tell us a little bit? I know it's a project that's had a lot of people in and out of it. I think now the bass player from Bedsore is involved, um, but a lot of different people in and out of it. Could you tell us just a little bit about those guys, how you know them, and how you came to be involved? Um, I basically got to know Lunk. That's uh, Florian, you know, the, the main guy. Mm-hmm. I got to know him through Connie, our the vocalist on Passages into Deformity and uh, Despondency vocalist. Um, he was good buddies with him because they lived in the same area back then in uh, northern Germany. And I, they even played in a few bands together or projects or, you know, they, they, they were buddies and yeah, he introduced me basically. And then, then we found out that we are fucking neighbors. Like <laughs> basically I, I lived in the 21, he lives in the 23. It's pretty insane. So, we in the uh, same building? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, not, not the same building, but oh. the same block. Oh, okay. That would so, be funny. <laughs> yeah, you live in the same part building. That would be. Well, either way, what a, what a coincidence. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, then we started meeting, and uh, I think that's where the the guitar solo idea came about first. I was like, wow, I'm gonna be on an album as a guitarist. Crazy. You know, <laughs> uh, um, and then they got problems with the drummer that was gonna do uh, visions. And he asked first. He asked me, "Hey, can you do the jazzy parts of that album so we can have two drummers?" And 
then in the end, uh, none of it worked out with the other drummer, so I I had to play the whole album. Might as well do the brutal parts while you're there too, right? Yep. <laughs> well, that it, just you know for the listeners, if people have not heard that ingurgitating oblivion, uh, vision wallows in symphonies of light, that's a really interesting album to check out. Um, and especially fans of defeated sanity, I'm sure can appreciate what's going on there too. Uh, um, and, uh, you know, I also quickly wanted to bring up, you You played, if I got it right, you, you were on um, uh, the, the Turkish Cenotaph's uh, Putrescent Infectious Rabidity uh, full length, right? Yep. Yeah, we, ha- we had uh, Batu um, Chaitin on the show not too long ago, a few months back, and we talked to him uh, for a while. Just had any memories of, of being involved in that project? Yeah, it... Uh... Um, I don't know. At some point, Batu started contacting me, and um, he even sent me a few vocal demos for "Defeated" when we were looking for vocalists. But we had already—I don't—I don't know how that was. I think we we uh, decided to go with AJ. At, I I don't know when, but anyways, we we got into contact. Um, and then he, uh, at, at some point, just asked me, hey, I, I, I'm looking for a drummer, and I love what you did on the first two Defeated albums, I guess. And, um, yeah, that's that's when he just, um, his guitarist, Chihan, he sent me all the, the guitar uh, uh, tracks with, with a click, and I... Uh, Totally freely uh, wrote my drum parts about it here in Berlin and uh, uh, listened to it the whole way to work and the whole way back, like which is always an hour of commute. Yeah. So every day listening to that stuff and then I recorded it. And yeah, that that's basically how that went. And then uh, we played one show together at Mountains of Death where uh, Chihan and I were uh, rehearsing for uh, a week. He was staying at my place and then, uh, yeah, we were ready to go. The, the other guys just dropped in. It was perfect. <laughs> it was awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I just you know, I just wanted to bring that up because just for um, defeated Sanity fans who might want to hear your work in a different context, there's always that Cenotaph album, Putrescent Infectious Rabidity. Um, and uh, uh, Ingurgitating Oblivion. So I guess, uh, are you going to be performing drums on the new Ingurgitating Oblivion album uh, when, when it comes out? Yeah, that's 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 what I'm uh, very busy with right now. Like, uh, I'm always like, I just told you, like, I'm playing all the Defeated stuff all the time, but the last, now it's like three songs that I'm playing all the way through from Ingurgitating. Ingurgitating. Okay. Um, uh, so I don't have time to practice anything else at the moment because they're like 14 minutes long and shit <laughs> and uh, wow, all that stuff so I don't know right, at this moment you could just call me the ingurgitating oblivion drummer I guess yeah so when, <laughs> so when you say three songs you're like doing a whole, like almost the album's worth of material <laughs> um, not- there's one more coming and then we're, we're gonna definitely be in, in I think we're already in full length uh, territory but yeah. with the fourth song it's gonna be yeah it's gonna be another full length it's coming it's not like three hate breed songs you know no <laughs> 
Uh, um, all right. Well, with that in mind, man, there's there's so much um, we could ask you about your career and all this sort of thing, man. But we do want to be respectful of your time, and we have some questions from fans of yours um, that are supportive supporters of our Patreon uh, that I wanted to get to before we let you off the hook here. Um, we do have some uh, questions from our Patreon pledges who are big fans of Defeated Sanity, uh, and we'll get to that right now. The first one is from Tyler Craig. Uh, who just simply wants to know what's your favorite jazz musician um, of all time? Favorite jazz musician or style of all time? Ooh, that's that's kind of hot, man. Um, huh. <laughs> well, gotcha. I'm a drummer. I'm I'm a drummer, so I I gotta go with from my favorite uh, a drummer in the world, which was uh, Tony Williams, mm. and. Um, yeah, he's, uh, to me, he's uh, really important and uh, been really like the, the whole attitude of his playing and the, I don't know, the overall smartness. It, it just was a heavy, heavy influence on me. Tony Williams, okay. Yeah, yeah he played for Miles Davis. He played uh, with Alan Holdsworth in Lifetime. Um, what else did he do? Uh, I don't know. Uh, he had his own quintet at some point. And, um, yeah, all that stuff, you know. Okay. Um, uh, and, and, uh, um, uh, moving along. Next question is from Adam Moore. Uh, he says, Defeated Sandy has always seemed like a highly collaborative project with numerous past members and live musicians and a discography that has been produced at multiple studios with a variety of different professionals involved, many of whom have received songwriting credits. With this in mind, have you ever considered writing or recording a solo project, perhaps something completely outside of the metal genre? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm always toying with these uh, ideas. Right now I wrote... Um, kind of fusionist song really like heavy kind of fusion like with I guess with the death metal influence in it right and um, there's there's a, a, a Miles Davis uh, rendition kind of planned like a kind of almost like a death metal infused uh, cover version or something I don't know how you would call it like it's not really a cover version but um, so that's that's two ideas that I'm thinking, and I like think about doing some kind of a album like that. Maybe throw in a few old uh, songs from Wolfgang when he was uh, writing this fusion-esque kind of stuff, and um, just like an honor to him too, you know. So I don't know. I'm thinking about an album like that, but it's it's just so hard to keep it all together, and I still haven't found musicians that I can actually jam with because that shit you want to jam that you don't uh, what what uh, you're saying Adam is uh, it's very true it's like uh, there's not not enough jamming going on it's more like people are in different parts of the world and then recording an album with, uh, with, with this jam band kind of stuff I want to actually do that you know I want to have guys with who I can jam. Um, so that's one thing. And then there's another thing that I did in 2010 where I had the idea to 
have a an album that's kind of like a I was looking for like a female vocalist and do this I, I have written five songs and it's like somehow like um, maybe like a alas and agora a little bit like I, I, I recorded something like that you know alas is uh, Eric Rutten's project like that he had like a a female vocal project at one point which i thought was awesome i've never um, heard of that one i gotta look yeah you you uh, you kind of caught us off guard here we got to look that up yeah that's um i bought that cd you know the first thing i heard from hate eternal was in uh 1998 i think when i bought that off steve tucker at the merch stand when they played with morbid angel yeah and it was this new band, fucking Eric Rutten and uh, uh, Alex Webster, and they had the split demo, Hate Eternal and Alas. And Alas is like, it's it's Eric's um, kind of, I don't want to say goth, because it, the riffs are amazing traditional kind of metal riffs. And then there's melodic opera kind of vocals on top. And, I don't know. I was I was a big fan right away. I was a bigger fan of uh, Alas than I was Hate Eternal. And um, I don't know. Yeah, then it was 2010. I recorded all the songs already, but I couldn't find a vocalist. So to all those girls out there, and <laughs> yeah, ladies, uh, if you if you got chops uh, and you want you want to chop it up, you know, holler at holler at Lily. Um, yeah. Uh, so. That being said, moving along, um, Taylor Schrank uh, wants to know who is your favorite up-and-coming young death metal drummer, and why is it Brennan Shackleford? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Brennan is fucking amazing, of course. He's he's doing that that thing that I'm doing with the with the fast blasting, like the push pull, mm-hmm. and it's like it feels like he. He, he does it like almost better than I do it or something and, um, yeah I mean he's 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 uh, doing Brodekin now so I'm, I'm hoping uh, it will be great you know yeah Brandon is definitely brutal I, I saw uh, reviled one time and they really tore it up at Las Vegas death fest oh yeah reviled yep who, who else could I be damn there's always so many you know Oh, it's, it's. I mean, Matt Kilner is not even that that new. I guess everybody knows Matt Kilner, you know. Like if you've seen uh, uh, Gorgasm recently with him, you know what's up, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Iniquitous Deeds too. That's that's coming. And um, fuck, I'm probably. I I, I always thought uh, Mike Caputo is fucking amazing, you know. Um, I, I even uh, liked Rings of Saturn uh, live uh, with him, you know. Yeah, and, uh, I, I, uh, yeah, I wasn't able to see. I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's it's not everybody's business, but I thought like when I saw them, that was really brutal. So those three guys definitely. But um, I'm just, like, there's there's so many death metal drummers, you know. There, it, I gotta say though that the the main forte right now is always, always speed. You know, everybody, everybody is always just about speed. 
I'm yeah, like, yeah. I'm it's... trying to, I'm trying to tell my students, get into the real drumming right now, so you, you know, because I, I got into all the rudiments and all that sh shit like way too late, and I was just going, da, 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 and uh, you know, and it's. This, I mean, it builds up something, like it builds the, the death metal charts, but it also kind of destroys, it stiffens you up for everything else, kind of. And, um, so, yeah, but so a lot of the newer drummers, while I, they impress me a lot, they don't give me a lot like Tony Williams would. You know, or even Alex Marquez would when like on, on albums like uh, Malevolent Creation or Solstice, you know, or Sean Reiner, you know, like I'm more into these kind of drummers than guys that are only about the speed, you know. Yeah, I, I, I actually um, quickly, I, I, I heard you bring up monstrosity a lot in other interviews. And we recently had Lee Harrison on the show, and he's another drummer who also plays guitar and writes uh, a lot of the, his band's material. Yeah, big, big fucking influence on me, that guy. Yeah. The, the drumming's just so smart. Like, um, everybody back then was all about Pete Sandoval. I mean, I was, I, I loved Morbid Angel. Each thing was fucking amazing. But to me, um, what for most people was Pete Sandoval, uh, for me, it was Lee Harrison, really. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely fantastic drummer and uh, uh, obviously band leader with like just what Monstrosity put out, you know. Yeah, I, talking to him and reviewing the, the Monstrosity discography um, uh, a few weeks ago when we had him on the show, I really appreciated his approach to drumming and how it was a little bit different than than your what what death metal drummers were doing at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well, okay. Moving along, um, we got uh, Roman Cheech wants to know. Rarely do we see father and son write and perform in metal acts. How was that experience like, and how has it affected the music? I feel like we addressed that one a lot. Uh, already, but just any final thoughts or anything else you want to express about your experience, which isn't typical uh, in, in the death metal community where you have um, it kind of uh, uh, evolve and, and pass on through two generations of the family. Uh, I think I think what's uh, what's pretty interesting is that Defeated Sanity was never really about being badass. It wasn't about drugs. It wasn't about uh, hose or whatever you know yeah was really musical was really artistic and that was you could see that that a, a dad and a son played together you know that's it's, I don't know it's it's not very cool you know it was never about being cool you know well that's that's I think that's what made it uh, kind of different and we were just very focused and very serious um, about the music, yeah. That that's some that's an interesting point you bring up because that's something that came to my mind was that with your father uh, being in the band for especially for those formative years when you were younger. Um, I mean, now obviously you can look back and appreciate that, but did you ever feel at the time when you were a teenager or in your early twenties, like like you know you wished you wished it was just you and the guys and your 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 father 
um, you know, wasn't there to supervise because because you know, like we all we all like to experiment with, with with alcohol and different things when we're younger, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it what it did to me. <laughs> it's uh, I don't know. There were funny situations, you know. It's like there's like I'm I'm taking my shirt off in the backstage. There's like this these chicks and they're going like woo and he's like in the same room and he's like saying yo you should put a shirt on or you will get a cold you know <laughs> that's funny there it is all so, right so that's that's what i like so it, it can be a little bit weird i guess <laughs> like back then i guess but not a big deal you know yeah, man. Yeah, and that's that's the kind of thing I was looking for. Something we can look back and, and laugh at a little bit, man. Um, because it's obviously, I think it's a story that's garnered a lot of respect uh, throughout the death metal community. Um, and and uh, you know, uh, Paulo uh, always spoke with reverence too about um, your father uh, uh, staying uh, with him in Queens on that tour, and uh, he, he related the story uh, and everything. You know what I mean? So you know, we all have a lot of respect for for that that part of it. Yeah was amazing um so so moving on roman cheats has another more specific question he says um it would be cool to ask about uh, your personal collection collecting habits uh as it's so integral to metal and some of these people have legendary collections that we'd love to hear about so i guess just quickly for you are do you consider yourself a metal collector or a collector in general of music um and and maybe do, you know if so do you have a specific format and and anything that you want to talk about like that um no <laughs> <laughs> all right man i don't know it's it's uh <sighs> I, I back then it was very important to have a cd because you needed that music yeah and um so all these cds i i had to have and um i have them in my i'm looking at them right now um and um, when it comes to shirts, I, I actually, like, I should probably not even say this because we need to sell stuff. Anyways, but uh, I'm like, I for myself always had the one shirt per band rule. So, like, I, I don't know, man, we, we weren't rich and shit, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I want to almost say we, I, I grew up pretty poor, I guess. And so, yeah, I would always have the same shirt on, like the, the same fucking Cannibal Corpse all over, you know, these ugly <laughs> fucking things. Yeah, yeah, the all over print shirts. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know, with the new logo and shit. So, but yeah, I, 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 I for example, I, I remember uh, one time I, we were at a show and um, our bass player at the time, he made me a suffocation shirt because nobody uh, could uh, uh, like get a suffocation shirt from anywhere so like i had this made suffocation shirt and then someone at the show was like hey you made that yourself didn't you and i'm like uh uh uh, uh fuck off <laughs> <laughs> so, so the art of homemade you know, i'm not a collector i guess the, the art of homemade merch, I think, is becoming lost a little bit in this day of like like merch being a huge deal uh, for bands. Um, right, you know, rightfully so. Everyone has merch and and that sort of thing. But yeah, I remember back in the day, the homemade patches with sharpie markers and stuff like that. You don't see yeah. that as much. 
Um, yeah, well, but it, in general, it, it, merch is awesome. And uh, yes, here, here, there, I, I, uh, I love to buy something. And um, yeah, CDs uh, just uh, yeah got more rare. I gotta say. Yeah, I, over the years, I've kind of the last few years, I've just totally embraced nostalgia, and I've I've been like become like a vinyl and cassette tape head again. And I, you know, I just budget myself. Really, but yeah, I I get it, man. It's it's tough. That, that, that's awesome, though. But do you do you um do you do an evening where you just like sitting down, holding the the vinyl, read the lyrics, and just listen to the music? Well, the, this actually coincided with the coronavirus, so I have plenty of time to do that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I yeah, I feel that gets lost a lot, and then and, uh, recently I've actually done that with my because I got my. Uh, I got a tape recorder from a friend who doesn't use it anymore. And I got out my old fucking Megadeth Rust in Peace and I was like getting the tiny little book, book booklet that, yeah. uh, the, from the original tape and reading the lyrics and totally reliving my childhood and it was amazing. I loved it. Yeah, there, there's something to be said for that kind of nostalgia, man. And um, and it, yeah. you know, it takes all types, man. I don't I don't put down anybody who just has a whole collection of MP3s on a hard drive somewhere. Uh, you know, we all love music. Um, yeah. And and uh, just one last Patreon question here from uh, uh, Andy uh, Sung. Um, you have toured the world and been to some countries rarely visited by death metal bands. What has been the most fascinating country slash city to visit and play in? I, um, oh, oh. Sorry, I gotta interject here. I think didn't Andy fill in for Defeated Sanity for a little while? Uh, no. Oh, oh, oh you mean? Oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, Andy Tiang. Yeah, yeah. I, I again, oh. again I, yeah, Andy. I'm glad that you finally corrected us because the guy's been supporting us forever, and I've been mispronouncing oh, his yeah. name that long. So Andy uh, Tiang, it's it's pronounced. Chung, I guess it's just Chung. He told me Chung. Okay, Chung. Uh, apologies yeah. to Andy. Um, but yeah, Andy Chung. Um, uh, yeah, I guess that's what he told me. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Andy, if I fucked this up. But I think you told me that. Well, he gets a free <laughs> pass to make fun of my name being Will Smith whenever he wants. Okay. Well, I was gonna do that, but I thought you heard that. <laughs> but either way, shout to Andy T. Uh, big, Hell yeah. big dog style on our Patreon, showing us all the support. Uh, well, yeah, shout to he did fill in for Defeat Sandy at one point, right? Yes, one one gig and it was awesome. It was uh, near Frankfurt, Germany, and um, I heard like some some guy told me after the show. Okay, or uh, no, he's he's seen us with I think like three vocalists. I think with Max Phelps because he saw Darmata show with Connie and with Andy and with Josh. He saw us with four different vocalists. That one guy. <laughs> and he said uh, Andy was his favorite, and um, I saw a video of uh, of us with him, and it's, I mean, Andy has awesome fucking guttural voice. Yeah, we we've been meaning to get him um, uh, on, on the show. Uh, Got to open up that book for him eventually. Yes, sick, 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 Andy. He's sick. <laughs> <laughs> so. To answer his question, most fascinating country slash city that you visited and performed in? Oh my God, it's that it's it's really hard to say right now. I want to say uh, Kathmandu, Nepal. Hmm. Okay. Um, 
not a lot of death metal shows there, if I'm not mistaken, right? I mean, that that was that show reminded me of early '80s uh, hardcore punk CBGBs or whatever. Awesome. That's what that reminded me of, because everything was fucking out of control. I remember the last song, or like some of the last song, the guy, the the sound guy, suddenly unplugged all the monitors, put them over his shoulder and <laughs> fucking got out because it, I guess it was like it, the the his work like was done, you know? He he didn't want to work overtime. So <laughs> <laughs> just, wow. Just took our monitors. That's one thing. The other thing was I the other it. thing was um, the drum stool they had was I don't know uh, it was going down so much that I don't know. It was like it was ba basically broken. I couldn't reach all my symbols. I was like basically on the ground. So I threw that shit out and I shouted into the audience, "Hey, is here some kind of chair that I can use to play a show of uh, 15 minutes brutal death metal on that is somehow usable?" And then some some guy hands me this plastic garden chair like it was kind of wonky bonk, 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 bonk. <laughs> and um, um, yeah I used that for the show and then these, the, the guys had no boundaries too they were just jumping on the on, on stage <laughs> and like awesome. almost falling into the drum kit and, and uh, I don't know it's like when you're playing it's kind of you're like kind of scared or whatever but when you see it on video and you see like the uh that's what you really want you know and yeah. as i said it, re it reminded me of this black flag kind of shows you know like really crazy energy well uh, man that sounds sick well okay so now uh, uh yeah, you know what let me add something because yeah. it's about the city too so um, I guess I really took the right decision to say uh, Kathmandu. So we, this was the disposal of the Dead tour, basically, yeah. Yeah. So, which is an album about funerary rituals all over the world. So, these guys took us to a temple where they where they uh, they burn bodies uh, from like it, it's a funeral, but like the the family is. Uh, just celebrating by burning the the body and like and we were there and like we were like in the smoke and everything so i don't know that was also an, an amazing tourist kind of thing that so. is pretty special uh like you said considering the album you were promoting at that yeah point. that's interesting so there you go wow so katmandu nepal um to to bring it um uh, a little bit more street level Something I wanted to get your take on was your experience in the United States here. Uh, we mentioned at the beginning of the interview, just to tie it all in, that you did come over here with uh, Paulo Paguntalan, frequent guest of the show's old band, Cop Premises, uh, in yeah. support, as well as Mucopus and Sexcrement. Um, yes, uh, hell for, yeah. For, uh, for most of the tour. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts and recollections on that. Polo submitted one question for this interview, for this uh, episode. Polo Paguntalan, shout to him. He wanted to know what you thought of the White Castle sliders. 
Oh my god. Uh, they were pretty amazing because <laughs> yeah. So so I'm controversial. Mm. So don't be like, don't be pissed off. But for me, American food is about being as trashy as you can be. That sounds about so, right. So if I yeah. want real food, I'll have Asian. I'll have like like I'll have Thai. I'll have German. I have uh, Greek. I'll have Italian. But my favorite burger is the cheeseburger from McDonald's. That's my favorite burger because that's what it is. You know, this this is just crap. That's kind of awesome. So this, like Jacob and Josh, are gonna laugh their ass off. So yeah, White Castle goes in that direction, basically. Uh, yeah, White Castle uh, is like pretty much the bottom of American cuisine. That's like the most American yeah. you can get. <laughs> yeah, guys who so, eat. McDonald's five times a week will go, oh, White Castle. <laughs> yeah, so so back then uh, there was a trip, but uh, now I guess I would have to try the, the vegan version because I, I say no to all that at this point. Well, they do have vegan White Castle. Paulo is an expert at White Castle. They do have vegan options there. <laughs> they, they have vegan options there. Shout out to the rest in peace, the White Castle on Route 110 here in Huntington. They yeah. closed that down after many years. Very sad. Well, we, we didn't get to uh, uh, record a podcast there yet. Well, Paulo, next time I'm in New York, we're going to hang out at uh, White Castle and try the vegan <laughs> shit. I love it. <laughs> uh, awesome. And and was that, now, on a more serious note, was that your first time in the United States? No, the first time for me personally was uh, when I was um, playing for Belfigore. I was oh wow! I was going to ask you about that, but I had no idea it tied in. Okay, go on. Yeah, so um, uh, it was two thousand six slash two thousand? No, I, I don't. Know. I think it was maybe it was the beginning of two thousand seven. It says two thousand seven on Metallum. Yeah, yeah. So, um, Belfigor, we we've come in contact with them like uh, a lot of times before, and every time uh, the guy Helmut asked me if I want to uh, do drums for them. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. And then that was the third time. And it was like, his his thing was like, what he said was like, you want to go on a real tour, not this demo shit? <laughs> and, I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, in fact, yeah, I want to, I want to see the US. I want to, I want to do this. I had to postpone some, um, some exams for the for for the music university but it was no problem because it was for music you know so yeah that that was was killer man the, obviously some of the bigger biggest shows i've played i've like i don't know played the key club in los angeles and stuff and that, that was pretty awesome like uh i don't know it was uh, definitely that was the only time I had that kind of level of, of uh, rock star kind of touring, you know. Well, so if that was your first experience touring in the United States, it must have been a little bit humbling to come back and play a more underground, brutal death metal tour, right? Yeah, but it's it's with your buddies, you know, and you meet like the people you really kind of want to meet. You don't want to meet all these mainstream kind of, mm -hmm. I don't know, metal people you want to meet like the underground you know? good point that's that's what happened when we went with defeated you know 
Good point. Yeah. Because I'm, yeah. No, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. I was just looking at the lineup. It's, you played shows with Dysentery, Malignancy, Mortal Decay, Guttural Secrete. That was a pretty solid tour. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's what I want out of, you know, yeah. like, those yeah. are the bands that you would, like, travel to see uh, throughout Germany if, if they if they ever came, you know, and then we got to see them there. It was pretty amazing and, and, and get to know all of them, hang out, you know. True that, yeah. All right. And, and one more uh, question. Um, uh, Terrell Granham of the, uh, he's, he's in a, a few projects with, with myself, but uh, also uh, Thetis, Maggot Stomp Records uh, band. Um, he wanted to know uh, if you remember performing at the Silent Barn here in New York um, with Andromorphous Rexalia and Dysrhythmia. Uh, May will be 10 years since that show. He says it's one of the best shows he was ever uh, attended. You know what? I, I think, I think uh, me too. Because again, that to me was hardcore. It had that fucking energy that. Yeah, the Silent Barn is a great venue. Cool. Oh man, it was it was just intense, you know. And like you, you Americans, you always know how to make someone feel welcome, you know. Like playing for American crowds is great, especially in New York and uh, you know Los Angeles is also a little bit like that. And it's, uh, it's 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 just that show was definitely one of the most legendary shows, I guess. Like energy wise. Uh, was just insane. Um, I felt like every time we played New York after that, we had to live up to that show. <laughs> and um, it, it never felt quite there yet. Like the last one was really good with, uh, with Behold the Octopus. Um, that, that was a great show. Yeah, that was at St. Vitus. I remember that one. Yeah, hell yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, great but, show. Um, Silent Barn, I was, I mean, AJ was fucking nuts. I don't know. <laughs> he was lifting up a stone and threatening people in the first row. Just, <laughs> like, for fun. Like, he's like, I don't know, like, there was this, this, this block, I don't know, not cinder, I don't know, like some, some concrete block or whatever that was holding the monitors in place or whatever. And he lifted it and was like, <gasps> And I could see like the the crowd was moving back. <laughs> Caveman style. Up. Yes. Love it. Amazing. Wow. I'm glad we asked that question. Shout out to Terrell, man. Um, yeah. Awesome, man. All right. So, uh, you know, like I said, we always want to be respect respectful of your time. Uh, we've gotten through all the listener and supporter questions. Shout out to all those people for contributing. We appreciate them. Um, yeah. and, I, and I wanted to give you, you know, you talked a little bit about maybe the future of Defeated Sanity and the, the material you're writing that um, is similar to Darmada. Um, uh, also, maybe future work from Engurgitating Oblivion. I wanted to give you an opportunity right now to plug uh, Lilith Gruber's Calculated Barbarity um, and just, just tell everybody what that is and how, can they, how they can check it out. Yeah. Um, so I am a teacher um, for music. I'm, I'm doing classical guitar, normal guitar, and um, uh, drums. So I give that mostly to kids, you know, and it's like, because that's like the regular, they, they come every week, you know, they're in the school and then they go to the teacher, you know, so um, that's my regular job, basically. But I felt like um, it would be a cool idea to 
not talk about classical music or uh, um, Holy Night or <laughs> I don't know, uh, Billy Eilish. What, what I that's my my job, you know, that's my work, you know, with the kids and stuff. Um, so I thought it would be a good idea to just talk about really the thoughts that motivate me to use this note here or that note there or talk about motives that get reused later and um, and then with the with defeated a big theme in the beginning uh, is uh, uh, all the blast beats that I'm using on the sanguinary impetus because there's a lot of different blast beats that I have I guess sort of invented for myself and I'm talking about that stuff and it's that it's basically what the name says you know calculated barbarity is just like how we construct this music and um, uh, 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 everybody who's really interested in, in the composition of this kind of death metal um, can check it out you know yeah uh, and you um, uh, it, it works I believe it, you can check it out on Patreon people can sign up for that and there's different tiers right because you not only give uh, drum tutorials but guitar tutorials as well yeah, it has. Uh, you can do guitar and drums. Um, then you can do just guitars, and you can just uh, do drums. And then there's a thing that's just called six support, which is another stupid joke because I, we always say six support, six support. <laughs> um, and um, that's like a little cheaper, but I'll always I, I just put like. Uh, stuff from tour or like like shenanigans or like but also playthroughs from from the studio and stuff and but that's more like it's not it's not the lessons in themselves but they're like just like some some videos from what i said just playthroughs uh drum cams and all that stuff yeah uh, extras um all right yeah. so uh, and and that being said, we always um, conclude by asking our guests to recommend one uh, newer album and one older album by any artists that you like. It doesn't have to be metal, uh, just um, something older and something newer that uh, us and the listeners can check out that you recommend. Wow. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. What do you, what do I recommend? Okay, okay, cool. That That's cool. I've just listened to... This awesome old, of course, I'm the older stuff is uh, easier. So um, I've been listening to this band Unholy from Finland, and they have this album From the Shadows. And that's like, um, I'm not a big Doom fan at all, but there's these few releases that are really cool. And this one I didn't know yet. And um, I found that on YouTube at some point. And yesterday, I listened to the whole thing again, and it totally held up. Like I, I was totally hyped because it's really cool. At some point, they bust out like uh, clean vocals, but in a, like a really cool psychedelic kind of way. So it's like I know it's kind of Pink Floyd meets Cathedral meets. Uh, I don't know, like even some slammy stuff in there. D disembowelment, people who like disembowelment could also like that band. Unholy uh, from the Shadows. Huh. Okay, that's a, that's a cool release. 
Um, newer release, man. <laughs> That's hard. <laughs> That's always the hardest one. Yeah, I know. I mean, Inherit Disease, Ephemeral, that's, that's already a few years ago, but that's, that totally blew me away. But yeah, come on, yeah, man, yeah. there was, there, yeah, amazing. Ah, man, there was some, there was some good, oh, I, um, I mean, looking on the NSE roasters, always cool, obviously, you know. Yeah, new standard that's, elite, we're always talking about them on here. Yeah, I, uh, um, found hanging, that was a cool little EP. If you guys check that out. That's the name of the band, Found Hanging? Yeah, Found Hanging. On New Standard Elite? Yeah, that okay. was pretty We'll check sick. that out, definitely. And actually, uh, I also like that 420 Slam thing from, uh, I don't know, I, I can't name the names. Can yeah, I'm, I'm not going to be the one to reveal any of the mystery uh, behind that. Okay, project. so yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just... I'm just Putting it out there, that that was some cool slam too. Yeah, yeah, I um, yeah, this is the slam four twenty. Uh, big fan of the music. I um, I would have gone a different way with the the band name, but respect, respect. Everyone's got their own yeah, sp- yeah their own thing. Um, uh, all right, so the slam four twenty um found hanging and this unholy from Finland. We actually just did a big deep dive on doom metal. Uh, last last week on last week's episode because we 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 feel like we haven't been uh, appreciating doom metal as much as we should uh, lately. We're you know we're blast beat guys, we're fast guys, and we want to slow it yeah. down a little bit and listen to doom every once in a while. So that's good to know. We'll check that out. Yeah, dude, it's uh, they totally slip. They seem to slip through the cracks a little bit, but I really thought it was uh, outstanding, outstanding moments. You know, and. Uh, yeah, definitely check that out. Will do, man. All right, so um, Lilith Gruber uh, of Defeated Sanity, uh, perhaps most notably also ingurgitating Oblivion, uh, formerly of Cenotaph, um, and uh, Lilith Gruber's calculated barbarity uh, for guitar and drum tutorials uh, on Patreon. Um, is there anything else we left out uh, or anything we failed to plug? I, I don't know. <laughs> Let us know when the episode comes out. <laughs> yeah. So, well, so in that case, then, any last uh, uh, parting messages for fans of your work and listeners of our show? Okay, so I, I'm terrible at this. I, all I can say, uh, if, if, if the world functions again, then we'll be back. And... Um, we're, we're uh, presenting the sanguinary impetus in its entirety. That's that's our that's our codex, kind of. You know, if you if you write a song, you're gonna perform a song live. That's what I'm thinking, and that's what everybody's getting once uh, once the world starts turning again, I guess. And I hope that will be soon because I'm. Uh, uh, not being able to play it's it's crazy so I miss all you guys all over the world and I hope we're gonna do this shit again very soon hell yeah uh, yeah I, I second that and um, 
Thank you very much for your time, sir. It was great talking to you. I know our listeners and your fans have been waiting for us to uh, to try to set this up for a long time. And shout out to Colin Marston, who uh, yeah. who hooked us up and was very uh, influential in, in, in putting this interview together as well. Yes, I missed that guy. Maybe most of all, I don't know. Um, <laughs> also, one thing before we leave, too, um, Hank Steamer's Heavy Metal Bebop. You did an interview with him, and uh, I, I, be, I believe he interviewed Jacob on that one, too. And that's a yeah. that's a great interview he did. Uh, shout out to him. He's a friend of the show. Yeah, for, yeah. former guest. 100%. That was also a great uh, uh, interview partner. Yeah. yeah, oh, That was right. awesome. If listeners are interested, they can always go back and check out. We did a whole episode uh, before coronavirus. Hank Steamer actually came all the way out here to Long Island and came into our studio, and we did a whole episode with him about his his background in metal and all that sort of thing too. And uh, and um, it's heavy metal bebop, right? Yeah. Yeah, I want to make sure I got that right. That's his podcast that uh, explores the connections between jazz and metal. Very interesting. So shout yeah, shout to Hank and shout to Colin. Um, and thank you very much. We'll, we'll be in touch with you uh, in the next few weeks as this episode is produced and goes up, all right? Yeah. Hell yeah. Let me know. Hell yeah, brother. Uh, we'll, we'll be in touch, man. Thank you so much again for your time, man. You have a great night. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Take care, brother. come out with the uh the, the heavy hole battle vests the the back patch set eventually with all we're, the we don't the have we, we don't have it's not a crew it's not a street team it's your part of the particularly musical family of the heavy hole yeah and we are all part of a particularly musical family keep it rolling because we could just make this the segue out of the interview that's right yeah, yeah. so uh man uh, what what more can i say i don't know but i really like that particularly musical family theme yeah yes. yeah i mean yeah we'll have different patches for yeah. all the members of the musical family come on down to the heavy hole uh, bed and breakfast where you're part of a particularly musical family along with all of us oh man well listen somebody who we appreciate <laughs> coming down to the heavy hole bed and breakfast today because it was a little earlier than usual they were in germany we were in the united states lilla gruber wow yeah. Good man. Thank you. That was great. That was yeah. Cool. Uh, dude. Beautiful man. And we didn't need to ask uh, the obligatory signature question, uh, are you from a particular musical? He cleared that one up for us uh, real good. Uh, rest in peace to his father, Wolfgang. We celebrate his work. Um, and uh, also, uh, you got to check for that Engurgitating Oblivion one more time. I just want to shout that out real quick. Uh, beautiful album. Really great to talk to him tonight. And shout out to all of our Patreon pledges, uh, submitting their questions, becoming part of this interview. They're part of the musical family. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah, they get their own patch, the Patreon people. Yeah. Um, now, listen, something I do want to patch in, uh, uh, Tom. Yes. I, we, we're not going to, we're going to skip the recommendos tonight because uh, we recommended a whole bunch of music and so did Lilla Gruber. But, uh, Tom, people are a little agitated nowadays. People are a little cranky. I know, I know I was a little cranky and we shared a little bit of my crankiness and my venting on our Patreon for the Patreon pledges last month. So. We kind of cracked open that line. If you're if you're not on the Patreon, you didn't hear 
Pandora's it's, box has been opened. It's the vent line. Yeah, that get a little more personal. Yeah, you know, I used to call up and say, hey, guys, hope everybody's good. Say hi to the kids. I want to recommend a band. No, no. That that voicemail number that you call now <clears> is strictly for, uh, um, in the words of Mary J. Blige, hateration. Wow. Yeah, yeah. we need hate, it. Yeah, hateration. Right. So with that, let's play. Uh, we're gonna play four voicemails right now. Yeah, people people really enjoyed this venting idea, and they wanted to vent them. So so we're gonna give you the opportunity to vent. All right. If you want that number, uh, Tom, you got the number on hand? Yeah, it's six three one eight three seven three two seven four. Yeah. So you can call up the bitch <laughs> if you want a bitch too. It's also my social security number. Whoa, <laughs> missing a few. I was born early. All right. All right. Here it is. Fucking Will. Fucking Tom. Fucking Justin. You want a rant? This is my rant. What's with this fucking new school American gore grinders? Just not getting it, man. Here's the deal. You throw down some sloppy tupa-tupas with some fucking generic-ass groove and riffs. I'll take it. But where's the passion? Where's the drive? Where's the motivation? And the clincher is just because he got fucking drippy, fat, fucking pitch shifted vocals, it doesn't make it heavy. Let's move it along, dude. We all love cock and ball torture. We all love Hyman Call cock. But you really didn't like you need to work on it a little bit to get it together. Also, um if it's not heavier than the first two Under Oath fucking albums, I'm not fucking checking it out anymore. I ain't got the time. I ain't got the money. Fucking one. Oh. Wow. He, he, I was with him up until Under Oath, and then I got really confused. But okay. If you're, if you're pissed, then let me know. Shout out to those first two Under Oath records. Yeah. No, no. They're, they're, I, know, I got no problem with Under Oath. It's just he was all about gore grind, and then he's like, if it's not heavier than Under Oath, I was like, whoa, yeah. wait, okay. Well, our man's frustrated and flustered because yeah, not I get a lot it. of people are working on their riffs out there, yeah. and he just wants people to get to work, man. When I get pissed off, I get confused, too. <laughs> you know, he brings up a good point, though. Like, you know, people aren't pouring their heart and soul into their gore grind like they should. Not like, uh, shout out to Abhorrent Cabaret, which you yeah. brought in a beautiful demonstration of how modern gore grind should Great sound. band. But Great band. there are things that are falling through the cracks, rightfully so. Miasmatic necrosis from New York. Uh, shout to our friends, man. They're doing it with passion in their hearts. Now, uh, can you play me another vent voicemail that's got some passion in their heart? Might be the same guy. Hi, right. Tom, Justin. I like how he starts off. <laughs> Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buckeye Cherry. <laughs> taking shots at me. Quick rant while I'm on the subject. Crying for it. to the crime. Great documentary. Some would say amazing film. Some would say. How the fuck are you going to make a whole documentary on fucking Grindcore and spend no more than about 45 seconds on Instant Warfare? What the fuck are you doing, brother? Slave to the Grind, part two. Should just be 45 minutes of the filmmaker apologizing for not fucking giving Insect Warfare the credit due for being the thickest fucking grind shit ever. Dabber Beverly is a fucking god. Bo Beasley is a fucking beauty. 
get it together, Dan. Okay, man. I, I don't see why you got to take shots at me. <laughs> I go about Cherry. That's, that's you know, pretty fun. True story. I haven't even seen the Slave to the Grind documentary. That's a true story, man. I no, no no problem with them or nothing. I just didn't watch it yet. Yeah, I saw it a long time ago, and I don't honestly remember. But like, I mean, if insect warfare isn't getting fair due, then that's you know that's I, fair well, criticism. I um I didn't watch it because my own bias. I I just. The idea that they were doing a documentary about Grindcore, I just knew that I was going to be like that guy who left the message and there was going to be somebody they <laughs> left out or something they said that was going to infuriate the high school t- Grindcore elitist in me. But, uh, but yeah, all right, man. But like, uh, you don't got to take shots at us here. We're just we're trying to let you guys fence. Hell yeah. This guy's starting off the phone calls. Pissed He's like, okay, Buckeye. Buck Cherry is the band. He was trying to make fun of my name, but he called me Buckeye Cherry. That's what? fun. Oh, That's the singer God. of Buck Cherry. This, yeah, he's the, yeah, buck, he's I, the Buckeye I Cherry. I wish the... I got laid as much as the singer of Buck Cherry. The one-eyed okay. Cherry. Listen, next voicemail. Next, <laughs> right. voice, next voicemail. All right. Shout out to Buck Cherry, Roadrunner. <laughs> Loving the heat. Wait, wait, wait. Buck Cherry's hey, on Roadrunner? I mean, Hold on. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> slow, slow the voicemail down. Buck Cherry, okay. So here, here's a I'm little inside write. story about Justin and I's other band, not dangerous thing, uh, Ultrageist, mm-hmm. which is in a state of uh, hibernation. Yes, we are. We went to the Roadrunner facilities, hung out with Monty a bit, had a good time. We were talking, you know, contract stuff like that. We don't need to get into the nitty gritty, but you know, at the end, yeah, when a few more zeros lure, here and there. But when they try to lure you in there, they send you into the tape closet, CD closet. After, hey, take whatever you want. You know what I saw a lot of. A lot of Buck Cherry. That's Nobody right. was taking that. Nobody huh? was taking. Well, yeah. wait, Buck had, Cherry and Road. Wait, Roadrunner. This is like they s- had Nickelback. Yeah, dude. Oh man, I yeah. guess you just it's forget that, about yeah. that stuff. Wow. They had zero Buck Cherry after uh, after I left there. Yeah, so, uh, just, mm, eating it up. <laughs> Shout out to Monty. He's an awesome dude. Love him. Really good dude. Oh. Be- uh, beautiful man, if some would say. Yes. Uh, All right. Next next <laughs> voicemail. Jesus Christ. Hey, uh, my name is Jim. I started listening. Uh, maybe. A month ago when I was uh, searching for blood incantation interviews, and I just want to say, great job doing a great podcast. I think in your last episode you said uh, you wanted to rip us, uh, you wanted us to rip on bands or something. Uh, not plugged in enough to do that. <laughs> I get a lot of my information from you guys. Um, so I'm just going to say that I listened to the Seppo uh, Tatalia interview. And I think that was a great piece of work just as, like, anthropology. I was like, my mind was blown that it's like a youth basketball coach, and he talks to the other member of Demigod because he's a track and field coach, and uh, that's the, the future they live in now. Anyway, great work. Thanks. Thanks for calling in, Jim. Hell yeah, yeah dude. Yeah, shout out to Jim, man. Thanks. We appreciate that, man. I, I found it very interesting, a little behind-the-scenes thing with Seppo Tatila, too, man. That was, um, they're, they're healthy. Yeah, they, they exercise. Good guys. It's a good way to live. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Shout out to basketball. I could I could learn a thing or two. I'll admit it. This is Jim Cambuses. <laughs> I was just hacking around on Patreon today, and I overheard a uh, Will bitching about stuff. He was smack talking all these parody bands. I just wanted to call Ventline, talk to you guys about how at some point I feel like everything might be a metaphor or ripping an image from something else. You guys ever heard this band? Uh, it's called Austrian Death Machine by my favorite hitman Arnold. And uh, then there's those other bands that they're Oakley Dokley and uh, uh, there. Oh, there's another one, Dick Cannon. It's a band about Pariah Carey uh, and her Christmas cover songs. Um, 
But what about even Metal Oculus or uh, Beavis and Butthead? Or, and they're just Wayne's World knockoffs, aren't they? Mm. Again, I just want to reiterate, I think many beloved fans ride the metaphoric waves of greater happening experiences, things. So my question for you, Tom and Justin, is when does the metaphor go too far? When, when is the context too direct? And I'm, I'm just asking for a friend. <laughs> this is why uh, the voicemail is the best option, though. Listen up, folks, because you know how many chances I get to call into one of my favorite podcasts and give an outro to the voicemail with a parody of their own? One. So, uh, this, but <laughs> this guy, yo, this guy called out Oakley Doakley. I love, uh, yo, I, I'm not into that shit, yo. This but, guy's got me ready to go off on another. He brings up a event. good point. Like, when does when does this whole like what's the line here? Yeah. Well, the line with Austrian Death Machine was when Tim Lambus put out a hit on his wife. Right. That was that was <laughs> oh boy. That's the line there. Was he involved in Austrian Death Machine? He was. A, yeah, he was Austrian. He started. Yeah, oh, that was okay. I didn't. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Oh wow. I mean, it was wow. oh, okay. like not really my cup of tea, but it was better than As I Lay Dying, to be honest with you. Oh, hmm. interesting uh, take. Well, that's how I did it. I think the line <laughs> is where the gimmick is more important than the music. Like, we got a real lesson in that in the 90s with new metal and black metal because you had the new metal bands whose music could withstand the test of time and the bands who were just an image. And the same thing with black metal. You had a lot of black metal bands whose music is still celebrated even though their image is uh, a little questionable, you know, but but um, and then you have bands who were just only image. You know what I mean? So I, I think right. it's I think that's like, Tom, I, I don't want to call out. We, we were having a discussion a few weeks ago and I was saying, um, uh, like, well, uh, yeah, we might as well say because it's just an opinion. But like, there's that band Neckbeard Death Camp. Yeah. Uh, we were. I was saying how you know you might have a band like say Napalm Death or Extreme Noise Terror, who kind of in their lyrics and in their artwork embodies a strain of maybe uh, left wing activism and politics and from the real world, from the street level. Whereas a band like Neckbeard Death Camp, it seems more like it it, it exists in the internet. Like it's it's very yeah. meme based. It's it, like it's very it's secondhand political. Look, like um, it's a that's a good example that Neckbeard Death Camp shit. Like, um, sure, you, you you can do whatever you want. This is a free world. You know, you can write yeah. any content you want. But if that's what you're going for, that's what it is. You know, like it's Max Sabbath. It's that Stormtrooper band. Like it's it's yeah. Kind of, like once you kind of. I mean, yeah, that, that's the thing. Once you make a kind of like a meme out of it or you use that kind of like internet meme culture as part of your band's aesthetic, it's it doesn't seem as grounded in reality as bands that might embody the same ideas. Like, you know, like I said, like your Napalm Death or your your phobia, more political, you know, bands from that spectrum, you know, that that don't that don't frame everything in the context of, of how people talk and act on the internet. Right. Yeah. I, I think if you if you can tell like that the the, the members or the person behind the project is one hundred percent committed to putting out a quality thing, like even if it's a joke, if they're committed to the joke and it's genuinely uh, a, a piece of like art from them that they're putting out there, that's when that's that's when you give it a pass. It might not be your cup of tea, but if you can tell it's being uh, honestly created, um, and which is you know sometimes sometimes hard to do, but like. A band like Max Sabbath, you might not dig it, but that's a fucking commit uh, to the gimmick kind of deal. Yeah, they really, you know? 
they really stick to that gimmick. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not a huge fan, but at the same exactly. time, I'll, I can give it a pass over COVID bands and shit like that, which yeah. are just, or like the bedroom black metal stuff that's just like Satan for Satan's sake. Yeah. I, I can understand that, but see, the thing, like, I would give Macabre a, a, a pass and a lot of respect where that's concerned. And I see Macabre as being a huge... Uh, 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 like forerunner of a lot of these, like like nowadays you have Max Sabbath, Oakley, Doakley, the the joke kind of metal bands. Mac- but Macabre had the chops, and if you go back, Macabre was doing that in an era where you know, like we always talk about, you couldn't just punch in parts and stuff, and they were um, a proficient band with amazing chops. Go back mm-hmm. and listen to any Macabre record and listen to the drums, listen to what's going on. You know, you Macabre is a band that. For me, the sense of humor and the tongue-in-cheek kind of like dark sense of humor about them and the cartoony thing, I yeah, I don't like Macabre as much as a lot of other old-school bands, but when you listen to that, it's undeniable what's going on. Max Sabbath doesn't do anything for me musically yeah, that makes me it. say, wow, they're a step above. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a different um, potatoes, potatoes, if you will. Here, um, I, I think Jim to kind of like some of what you're saying from my point of view is like you're asking about like what this threshold is of that and there is no real threshold like we all have opinions on this i think one thing that is absolutely infuriating though is that when you look at any metal uh publication like metal sucks or metal blast beat network bullshit and they focus on one of these bands and it's just like we're no one compared to them and we got paul speckman on the line you know like yeah like how dare you how dare you? I'm getting very offended right well, now. Well, I mean, we're kind of... <laughs> it's kind of like like you're, you're, you're shining lights on Oakley Doakley. Yeah. Well, before, before you're actually even asking old old school dudes who made the fucking genre, what's up? We're revisiting a lot of that Vent episode that was on Patreon that started this conversation. Because that's why I said is like, I got exasperated towards the end when I was talking about them sharing top 10 Bernie Sanders memes. You know, Bernie Sanders sitting with his mittens on on a death metal album. Yeah. And there's, like, legitimate metal publications sharing that. But I'm like, yeah, I got the drummer of Demigod and a Dramalik on the phone. No one, you know, like, and who am I? I'm not even, I work a day job, and I do this for fun with you guys. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. that's all I'm saying. Met, like, dude, these fucking publicate uh, allegedly. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's why people become sensitive and that we need to, like, throw out words like threshold and shit like that. Yeah, Because, like, you know, you could do well, a gimmick and it's fine, whatever. But, like, when I see those fucking six dudes with mustaches and green sweatshirts and they're getting attention when like sick bands are just getting totally overlooked i'm looking at dudes like desi darium alex like that who i'm a huge fan of his shit and i i didn't see any coverage for that that right there though because desi darium is doing something progressive that pushes things forward musically the threshold for me to 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 make it succinct would be when the focus is is no longer on pushing any aspect of the music uh, uh, <laughs> forward, and it's all about pushing this ego driven meme that your that your artwork has become. Yeah, the riffs come down to it first, uh, and mm-hmm. yeah, and there's like you're you're saying, Tom. There's no uh, mathematical form formulaic threshold that a band or a project crosses. Um, it's but you could smell the bullshit, man. Like yeah. if a publication's putting out some clickbait shit, like check out this hamburger band. Uh, you know, maybe look a little uh, deeper into uh, all I would yeah, yeah. Dude, mm-hmm. and, yeah. ju- and just uh, that thing about Macabre and Max Sabbath. Listen to Sinister Slaughter, the album by Macabre, and a lot of people have not given Macabre a chance because of the sense of humor um, and and the the kind of serial killer thing. I get it; mm-hmm. it's not for me either. But listen to Sinister Slaughter, 
Um, you know, and, and and listen to the musicianship and the songwriting, and keep in mind when it was recorded and the production techniques used. No punching, all that sort of thing. You, Max Sabbath, the Ned Flanders, all this stuff. It doesn't. You can. You can't compare it. And that's why Macabre, I think, gets a pass for the sense of humor and, the, sure. and the jokey nature more than bands in modern times where you could just, yeah, I got a uh, superior drummer and I just put it all in and it's yeah, a but big Will, joke, I, I don't think that like humor is being brought into question here per se. It's more of like the the um, like what world you're coming from with the humor. Yeah. Like if it's homage or if it's like a ripoff or a parody, mm. the humor thing, like I, I don't even fucking know. Whatever I, you think is funny. Yeah, like... Well, you bring up good points, though, like globally with this. But I think the idea of like making a project based in a setting as opposed to writing music. Well, I think I'm a little bit slanted on it, too, because I have a hard time with humor and metal and grind to begin with. Yeah. No, we talked about I, that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I may call me a stick in the mud or whatever, man. I just, you know, like the gore grind bands that throw the blow up dolls and balloons around while they're playing live. That, that kind of kills it for me. But, you. but I, you know, again, call me a stick in the mud. I get it. Some people like You're that. You're a stick fun. in the mud. I don't, I'm not into fun. <laughs> I hear you, man. No, that's fine. Uh, Look at fucking, I mean, Cannibal Corpse, guys. The the original, like, over-the-top, like, thematic sort of, like, I'm not, gimmick is a bad word, but bands like that, they get a pass because it's fucking riffs for days. It's yeah. it's a really good thing. And it, whether, it's, whether it's humorous or it's supposed to be over-the-top gory, you know, depends on who you talk to crazy album art all this kind of stuff across death metal thing if i i just feel like if you could tell uh if there is fucking honor if there's fighting spirit behind it uh, i can get behind it i like that that terminology there well uh yeah so that's you know what this is this is a good voicemail round yeah so uh and again if people want to call up they got questions comments about the show or especially crazy unhinged venting about stuff that bothers you. What's that number again, Tom? It's uh, 631-837-3274. Yes, that's right. We appreciate your calls. Another person we appreciate calling, Lilla Gruber of uh, Defeated Sanity. And like we talked about, Encurgitating Oblivion and other other projects. Uh, you can check out um, Lilla Gruber's Calculated Barbarity uh, on, on uh, Patreon and on uh, YouTube. Uh, he has uh, some advertisements for that for uh, guitar and drum tutorials, plus extra stuff behind the scenes. We appreciate him. Uh, we appreciate all the Patreon pledges. If you want to check us out on Patreon, Heavy Hole Podcast on Patreon, you too can get a sneak peek at who we're bringing on the podcast once or twice a month and leave your own questions for that person, like a lot of people did uh, tonight. And um, you can go to heavyholepodcast.com for everything else. You want to you want to check us out on Instagram. You want to check us out on Facebook, Twitter. You want to order a patch. You want to see what kind of merch is going on? What, what what's up? It's all there. Heavyholepodcast.com. Should we should we uh, debut a new promo code tonight? Yes. Uh, if you're feeling if oh you're feeling God. crazy, wow. well, might right. as well go for it. What's the promo code? Fake joke bands. One word. That's right. Enter the promo code fake joke bands, all caps, one word, and receive seven percent off your order. Seven percent. Yeah, it's uh, it's a roundup from six point six six percent. That's right. The yeah. number of holy completion as we damn these fucking fake joke bands to hell. These motherless. Fuck- I'm sorry. Yes. Take, take it away. We yes, gotta, you we get, gotta right, get seven cards uh, rummy, seven cards playing Uno, and you get seven percent off your heavy hole shirt. That's great. Your merchant, your, your patches, mm-hmm. whatever else. I might yeah. so I might put a patch on an old hat and I might put it up there. Fake you see joke bands. All One caps. Words, Yo, all caps. No jokes though. How many? takes do you think Lilla Gruber 
takes to make that perfect song on the album. One.